All right. So next, we're just going to head into a time of Lectio. So as we enter into this space, I invite you to take a deep breath, cast away any stress and worries, and enter into a posture of listening and reflecting. So I invite you to just take a deep breath with me, breathe in, and then breathe out. So we are going to be reading Psalm 145, verses 8 to 10 from the NIV. Um, so I will just read it the first time here. It says, oh, and I've changed the pronouns for God from, uh, to gender neutral pronouns. So that's just a slight tweak that I made in the NIV there. So it says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. They have compassion on all that they have made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. And if you don't know what extol means, that means praise enthusiastically. So I'm just going to give you a moment here, and I'll read that again. But just pause and reflect on the words. And as I read it a second time here, I invite you to think about what word or what phrase might stick out to you here. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. They have compassion on all that they have made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. So what word, what phrase might be sticking out to you? Take a moment, think about what that might mean. And if you feel comfortable, feel free to put that in the chat. So we have compassion, good to all. It's interesting that good to all sticks out to you, Sarah, because that is what stuck out, stood out to me. And that's what kind of influences the lens that I'm going to read it a few more times. So it's God is good to all. And to me, when I think of all, I think of that including myself, my communities, and the whole world. So we're going to read through this three more times. And each time I'm going to give a slightly different prompt in light of what all encompasses. So first, God is good to all, which includes yourself. So as I read it this time, focus on what, might, what God might be saying to you personally. The Lord is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. They have compassion on all that they have made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. What, God might, what might God be saying to you yourself in this moment? And once again, if you feel comfortable, you can put it in the chat 
although you don't have to. The Lord is good to, to all, and that includes our communities. So take a moment, think about what communities you might be a part of. Obviously, the bridge is a community, but you have other communities in your life. As I read it another time, think about what God might be saying to or about the communities that are in your life. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. They have compassion on all that they have made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. What might God be saying to or about the communities that you are a part of? Once again, if you're comfortable, you can put that in the chat. And as I read it one final time, the Lord is good to all, and that includes all people in the world, particularly those that might be different than us or who we just don't understand. So as you think of that on a global encompassing level, I'm going to read this one more time and think about what God might be saying to or about all the people in the world. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. They have compassion on all that they have made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. Once again, if there's anything that's coming to mind of on the world scale, feel free to put that in the chat if you're comfortable. All right, so the Lord is gracious and compassionate, and that is what I'm holding on today. And I would like to pass it off to Karina, who's going to lead us in communion. Thanks for that, Taryn. Um, so if you want to participate with us, um, you know, you can get something to eat, like little and something to drink. Um, I know for me, I often use water and I just remember the time that Nicole Forbes let us in um, communion and it reminds me to hold in prayer during this time, people around the world who don't have access to water as part of, as part of that's part of my communion practice now for the last couple of years. But aside from that, um, so hopefully you've got, you've had time to grab your stuff. I was reflecting on the idea of kindness because that's the focus for this week in the context of communion or the Eucharist. And that made me think about the difference between kindness over niceness. Nice 
always feels good in the moment, but it isn't always good in the long run. Don't cause trouble. Don't disturb things. Just have everybody feel good, right? And Jesus was kind of a stickler about being kind rather than nice. He stretched and and pushed people to believe and imagine and love more widely than was comfortable. That's kind, but not always nice. And then I think about what he said to his disciples in the last meal. Um, You know, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we've heard these words so many times, but these words are, what do they mean exactly? Like, I know we have decided on meanings or familiar with meanings. And sometimes I wonder if that wasn't a kindness that Jesus sort of didn't leave us this like exact list of things to think, but rather this mystery to participate in that was meant to bring us together and remind us of our belonging to one another, to maybe set our egos aside in the way our egos love to know with certainty and instead move us into mystery that can bring clarity. And anyways, I um, I love what Mary Oliver had to say about the Eucharist. She said, centuries ago, theologians claimed that they had parsed with precision how God acted on the bread and wine during the celebration of the Eucharist. This wasn't helpful. Their lust for certitude bruised a mystery which was best left alone. They were unkind. <laughs> It eventually birthed theological wars about the nature of a meal that was ironically intended to mend, not tear apart. I don't need to know what happens to the bread and wine to experience the oceanic love of God that I feel when I receive it. Any more than a newborn needs to know the mother's name and address to see and feel the adoration in her gaze. An invitation into mystery and unknowing is part of the kindness of our communion practice together. So I'm going to read her poem called The Vast Ocean Begins Just Outside Our Church, the Eucharist. And then I'm going to read a verse from the verse, the traditional verse from Corinthians and invite us to enter into the kindness of mystery together. The vast ocean begins just outside our church or the Eucharist. Something has happened to the bread and wine. They have been blessed. What now? The body leans forward to receive the gift from the priest's hand, from the chalice. They are something else now from what they were before this began. I want to see Jesus. Maybe in the clouds or on the shore, just walking. Beautiful man and clearly someone else besides. On the hard days, I ask myself if I ever will. And there are times my body whispers to me that I have. From 1 Corinthians. You can take your bread or your food, your water. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, Jesus said. 
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, as often as you drink it. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's participate together. Thank you. Hey, I guess it's me. Hi. Um, God bless Sarah. Sorry, oh, I forgot yeah. that part. Go Amen. for it. Amen. Glad you're speaking this morning, Sarah. Be blessed. Thank you very much. Um, I uh, put my kindness sweater on today, but I realized that it's actually, you're only just going to see the word hustle <laughs> rather than the word kindness unless I sit back and then I can't really see what I'm reading. So anyway, it says hustle kindness because today is about kindness. As we're um, thinking about the uh, the fruit of the spirit, we are um, asking ourselves three questions. Where do we see this fruit of the spirit in the life of Jesus? Um, how does this work itself out in community? And how do I allow the spirit to grow this in me? So let's start with Jesus, because he is always a good place to begin. And I like him. It kind of makes sense. So uh, Brian Zand says this fairly often. Josh is going to share slides for me. Thanks, Josh. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We have not always known what God is like, but now we do. So today we're talking about kindness, and I simply want to show where I see Jesus being kind, and therefore God being kind, and how maybe we can be kind too. So far we've talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and then we're going to get to the rest in the upcoming weeks, and we're going to take, you're going to mix, miss the mess up with the order so that whole thing that you remembered of love joy it doesn't it's not going to happen in the right order from this point onwards but we'll get to there eventually we'll have all of them so we can see all these characteristics in Jesus but not least of all we see kindness so much kindness it's funny well I mean not funny maybe it's curious um that for so long we have sold the image of Jesus as being kind but God not so much We've been sold the illusion that God the Father is angry and that Jesus is kind and saves us from God. Nope. I mean, what is up with that? Just no. I have never, ever bought into that. God is like Jesus. Jesus reveals God to us. So if Jesus is kind, God is kind. Um, that's my, like, my overarching thing. If Jesus is kind, God is kind. We can be kind. Now let's get on with it. So I see, um, I think kindness gives a person dignity. I think kindness makes a person a person and not an object of pity. I think kindness allows people to have agency in their own lives. And I think kindness is generosity. And these are all things that I see in Jesus. I see many of these in the interactions that Jesus has 
um, with people that have been recorded for us in the Gospels. And there are probably many, many others besides that. But the ones that we see, we can see kindness in his actions, in his words, in his touch and in who he chooses to be with. So I'm going to tell um, a few stories this morning because just one didn't seem enough because Jesus is that kind because like it can't all be summed up in one story. So I'm going to tell three. Uh, these were three stories that just came to mind um, first. I really could have picked any Jesus story because they all show his kindness. But this is my selection. It comes from uh, uh, Matthew 8, Mark 7 and Mark 10. So Matthew 8. Jesus came down from the mountainside. Large crowds followed him. A man who had a skin disease came and got down on his knees in front of Jesus. He said, Lord, if you are willing to make me clean, you can do it. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing to do it, he said, be clean. And right away, the man was healed of his skin disease. Jesus saw the man. It's kind of hard to avoid someone on their knees in front of you. Uh, but is it? Actually, it's not impossible. I can think of the number of times that I've walked past a person who was literally sitting on the street. I've been in too much of a hurry, or I felt like I hadn't had anything to offer, or I've just plain chosen to ignore them. And how many more times have I actually avoided someone on their knees emotionally or spiritually or mentally and just chosen not to see them? Too many times, probably. Other people on their knees in front of us, literally or metaphorically, can be overlooked, unseen and ignored, but not by Jesus, never by Jesus. Jesus saw that man, he listened to him, he touched him and he healed him. Jesus gave the man his life back, literally. His disease had made him an outcast from his town, his family and his old life. And in healing him, Jesus literally gave him his life back. And on the way to giving, giving him his life back, Jesus also gave him dignity. He saw the man. To be seen is a beautiful thing. Just think of the last time that you were really seen by someone. How did it feel to be seen? And he didn't just see the man, he listened to him. The man said to him, if you're willing to make me clean, you can do it. And then Jesus heard him and he answered, I am willing. Jesus' answer showed that he was actually doing reflective listening. The longhand version of what he said is, I heard you ask if I was willing to heal you, that I could make you clean. So my answer to you is, yes, I am willing. Be clean. Think of the last time you were really heard by someone. How did it feel to be heard? Jesus doesn't ask this man a question like he often does. He just answers him to say, I see you. I hear you. And then he reached out his hand and he touched him. This was forbidden unadvisable and presumed to be dangerous at the time. He could no longer be in his home or with his family and he was an outcast because of his skin disease. The only people who could touch him were people who were sick like him. But Jesus broke all the conventions and all the rules and he touched the man. And this was kind. I, um, I felt like I could really feel this guy. So I, um, I wrote a poem for him. Um, uh, I'm just going to read it. Uh, you saw me on my knees before you, dirty, bedraggled, 
unkempt, untouchable, uncared for, unclean, and you saw me. Are you willing? I asked. Isn't it obvious what I need? Can you not see just by looking at me? Of course you could, but I needed the dignity of being listened to first. You honored my desire, but I needed to hear myself ask, are you willing? Will you heal me? And you saw me and you listened and you touched me willingly. Jesus is so kind. The man was seen and heard and touched and given his life back. So that's the first guy. Uh, Mark 7, 31 to 35 is another story. Some people brought a man to Jesus. The man was deaf and could hardly speak. They begged Jesus to place his hand on the man. Jesus took the man to one side, away from the crowd. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Jesus looked up to heaven. With a deep sigh, he said to the man, the father, and that means be opened. The man's ears were opened, his tongue was freed up, and he began to speak clearly. I wonder what words that man heard first. Do you think he heard Jesus saying, do you hear me now? How's that? Any good? Can you hear me? I have no idea. Maybe Jesus said, I love you. I don't know what his first words were, but he was with Jesus. Um, I wonder what the man said to Jesus as he began to speak clearly. Like, we have no idea. But it was kindness that got in there. But look at how Jesus treated him beyond just healing him. Like, like all these things are about healing, but I think there's just a, a deeper kind of level of kindness. Do you notice what Jesus did? Um, it's like the third, fourth sentence. He says, Jesus took the man to one side away from the crowd. This is no like traveling miracle show where Jesus is like, roll up, roll up, come, let me show you how I'm going to heal everybody. It's a miracle. He's not doing any of that stuff because it's not about a show. It's about the people. It's about real people. And this man was deaf. Have you ever seen videos of people who've had those um, cochlear implants? Hard to say that word. Um, and they are turned on for the first time and you see them just like well up with tears as they hear the voices that they haven't heard or little little babies who get that and then you that like they hear their big people's voices and you just hear them go and they're just overwhelmed with the whole experience or um uh, videos of people who've had those glasses that correct um not being able to see color and suddenly everything is color and they're just overwhelmed by the whole experience well i think what jesus does when he takes the man away from the crowd to one side is he takes that overwhelm away and that's the kindness he saves him from being surrounded by people and noise and all the hubbub of the crowd takes him to one side so that for that moment of being able to hear for maybe the first time ever is not overwhelming he knew the man was going to need some space and so jesus gave him the space that he needs because jesus is so kind okay one more uh, Mark 10. Bartimaeus is sitting begging beside the road. He hears the crowd approaching and he starts shouting to Jesus. The crowd tries to shut Bartimaeus up, but Jesus hears him and invites him to come closer. And then here comes the dignity giving moment. Jesus asks Bartimaeus the question, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man says, Rabbi, I want to be able to see. And he was healed. Right away, he could see. Jesus doesn't even touch him. Jesus heard him, 
listened to him and gave him the dignity of not presuming what Bartimaeus wanted, but he kind of slowed everything down and asked him. This is Jesus's kindness in action. Again, Jesus is so freaking kind. And those are just three examples. There are so many more. Back to Brian Zahn's thing. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We have not always known what God is like, but now we do. We look at everything through the lens of Jesus. And through this lens, we see a God who hears us, a God who sees us, a God who wants to give our lives back, a God who loved the whole world enough to send his son to save it. We see a compassionate God who asks us what we need or what we want from him. We see a loving and faithful God who is for those on the margins. We see a God whose default position on everything is love. And this is the kind of God that I follow. Wait, wait, too many words. Take the of out. This is the kind God that I follow. At the center of the whole picture, we see Jesus giving dignity to people because they are loved and known and seen and heard. This is not a demanding, angry, mad at us, waiting for us to get our shit together kind of God. Oops, sorry, stuff together. This is the God who draws us from the side of the road and says, what do you want me to do for you? This is the kind God that I follow. If your picture of God is not kind, then I've got a few book suggestions that might help. Uh, these are four books that kind of answer this sort of thing. Uh, Brian Zand, Sinners in the Hand of Loving Hands of a Loving God, which is his flip on Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Uh, Matt Hyam, it's a new book, There Must Be More to This. Brad Jerzak, A More Christ-Like God, and Lisa Sharon Harper, A Very Good Gospel. So read one of them, any of them, pick one, doesn't matter. And uh, just see if God can't change your mind about himself. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. So how do we work out that kind of community, uh, that kind of kindness that we see in Jesus in community with one another and also out into our wider communities? So what did Jesus do? He listened. He saw, he asked, he touched, he helped, all of it offering dignity to the recipient of his kindness. I wonder if maybe kindness should be spelled T-I-M-E. These things take time. Kindness takes us stopping our hectic speed of life and seeing, hearing, engaging and connecting. Morton Kelsey, uh, who's a writer, priest, therapist, counselor, uh, dude, said love cannot be expressed without making time for the person whom we would love. I was uh, on the receiving end of some kindness this week. I've been hampered by a back that's making me squirm. I'm <laughs> sitting on my chair like, <laughs> um, it remains, it resists being straight. It's still a little like this and it's been really painful. Um, I have done much of my work lying in my bed. And I got socks on on Friday for the first time, which was awesome. Um, and I was seen. Eden on the East Coast and Karina on the West Coast got together a little care package. Then they dropped it at my door um, with chocolate and Epsom salts and socks. And it was nice to be seen. It was really nice to be like 
thought of, and I felt the kindness in their actions. The kindness took thought and generosity of time and money. So if kindness is about giving dignity to people, then it's hard to do it without taking the time needed. Kindness takes time. Kindness engages generosity of spirit and perhaps generosity of wallet too, because kindness is about committing to be generous with our time, our energy and our resources as necessary. Kindness is not just throwing money at it, but asking, what would you like me to do for you, if anything? And sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes the listening and even being asked the question is enough. Sometimes the seeing is the only thing that's needed. Sometimes it's the gift of acknowledging that person in their situation and seeing them that helps. Sometimes that's it. But to find out, we have to take the time to ask. Maybe you've um, heard the expression, don't just sit there, do something. I think true kindness that offers dignity requires that we turn that whole thing upside down and say instead, don't just do something, sit there. Okay, so not don't just sit there, do something, but don't just do something, sit there, wait. Perhaps um, this person seeing kindness, we have to engage patience. Like we talked about last week, waiting and silence are important because then we can hear the whispers of the one to whom we're listening. But also as we wait and we listen to them, we can hear the small, quiet voice of the divine. Constant doing can numb out those little voices. So don't just do something. Sit there. Sounds so antithetical. Sounds like, uh, like I'm like, but it just feels like that's the right thing to do. There's a thing, um, I'm sure you've all done it because you're all very nice people, um, that random acts of kindness. It was a big thing a while back, probably still is. I probably just lost the habit of doing it. And it's cool and all, but I wonder if maybe it isn't really going far enough. Random acts of kindness are things that we decide to do, like pay for someone's coffee in the line behind us, or um, I don't know, um, what other things have you done or had done to you? And that's the thing, right? Random acts of kindness are done to, not with. They are done to whether you need it or not, whether you like it or not. There is no dignity given in that act of being done to. And don't get me wrong, it's not all bad, but it isn't all good either. And it feels like a shortcut to kindness. So how about instead of occasional random acts of kindness, we make intentional acts of kindness? Or how about relentless acts of intentional kindness? Like rather than making it a random, I'm going to do it to you, we're very intentional and we ask, what do you need? And then we do that or not, if nothing is needed. See, dignity. We have a few opportunities in our community for some intentional acts of kindness. Uh, you probably got an email yesterday. If you didn't, it's because we're actually targeting you. But um, uh, emails came out yesterday to everybody. We want to put some care packages together this week. Um, the email came yesterday morning. So if it's hiding in your junk or your subscriptions or other random folders on your computer, dig it out. Um, and if you can jump in to do any of that for any of those people, then hit reply on the email and we'll set you up with the person who is coordinating for each recipient. And this is our community kind of effort at intentional acts of kindness. There are always opportunities to give kindness to others if we will see them and listen to them and give them the dignity of asking what they might need and not presuming that we know. 
So I, my prayer is that we would be a community with our eyes wide open, with our hearts open, with our wallets open when that helps, with our imaginations wide open to express the kindness of God through our actions, our words, our touch, our listening, our generosity, and expressions of dignity above all else towards others who are as deeply loved as we are. So if Jesus is kind, like I see in the stories that I shared this morning, and if community is a place where that is worked out as we are collectively his body and his hands and his feet and his ears and his eyes and his caring words, then I think we can ask ourselves the same questions that Paul was asking in Philippians chapter two. It says this, so does belonging to Christ help you in any way? Does his love comfort you at all? Do you share anything in common because of the Holy Spirit? Has Christ ever been gentle and loving toward you? If any of these things has happened to you, then agree with one another. Have the same love. Be one in spirit and in the way you think and act. By doing this, you will make my joy complete. Don't do anything only to get ahead. Don't do it because you're proud. Instead, be humble. Value others more than yourselves. None of you should look out just for your own good. Each of you should also look out for the good of others. As you deal with one another, you should think and act as Jesus did. Be kind. <laughs> like that whole thing. Just be kind. How did Jesus act? Well, according to Paul, um, it's this uh, just continuing on, it says, in his very nature, he was God. Jesus was equal with God, but Jesus didn't take advantage of that fact. Instead, he made himself nothing. He did this by taking on the nature of a servant. He was made just like human beings. He appeared as a man. He was humble and obeyed God completely. He did this even though it led to his death. Even worse, he died on a cross. So God lifted him up to the highest place. God gave him the name that is above every name. So has Jesus ever been loving and gentle toward you? For me, the simple answer to that question is, uh, yeah. So therefore, he says, okay, your turn. Off you go. Now you, now you do it. So let's just ask the last question. We've talked about Jesus. We've talked about how it works in community. Now, uh, what about you and me individually as we live within that? So what does kindness look like in me when I'm offering it to myself? Kindness flows from patience. If I'm patient with myself, then I'm more likely to be kind with myself. Just like if I'm patient with you, I'm more likely to be kind with you. I could be really impatient with a back that's been giving me grief for nine days. I could be really impatient with a chronic illness that's been had me operating at 50% for seven years. But patience with myself offers kindness. Patience with those things offers kindness. Irritation and frustration can lead to unkindness. A lack of empathy and understanding can lead to unkindness. Indifference and outright dislike can lead to unkindness. And how often do we fall into the way of being mean to ourselves, of getting irritated and frustrated, of lacking empathy or understanding, of showing indifference and even dislike for ourselves? Sad but true, we do that. And sometimes we do those things to ourselves we really shouldn't. Like really, you are fully loved. You are fully okay as you are. You're, you're cool. <laughs> Be nice to yourself. Be kind to yourself. 
We should treat ourselves as someone who is deeply and dearly loved because we are deeply and dearly loved. We are called to be kind. And in that we are called to be kind to ourselves as well as to others. I have a little Kristen Neff wisdom to offer in this area. Um, she wrote, when we are kind and supportive to ourselves in a moment of suffering, if we use self-compassion as a way to sugarcoat or resist the reality of pain in the moment, it will backfire. So what she's saying is feel it. As we know, what we resist persists and grows stronger. We must accept the reality that right now, in this moment, it hurts. And it is by opening to this truth with warmth and support that we eventually start to heal. This line. We give ourselves compassion not to feel better, but because we feel bad. We give ourselves compassion not to feel better, but because we feel bad. When we feel bad, it is not the time to beat ourselves up. That is the time to give ourselves compassion. We must be kind to ourselves, not as a manipulation strategy to deny reality, which will only make things worse, worse, but as a way to support ourselves through it. Let me say that again. We must be kind to ourselves, not as a manipulation strategy to deny reality, which will only make things worse, but as a way to support ourselves through it. So, how do you express kindness to you? For me this week, it's meant uh, working in bed because I have a kick-ass bed that can sit me up. And when I couldn't sit up anymore, I lay down and then I could sit up again. Um, it meant using my disabled parking pass for the first time. As weird as that felt to do, as much as it felt like a sign of defeat, the actual, the kind way to think about it was actually as an act of freedom because it gave me access to what I couldn't otherwise have accessed. So can we do a Jesus to ourselves? Can we see, listen, touch, ask, and in all those ways offer dignity to, us, dignity to ourselves? So observe, see yourself. What do you see? Where are you bleeding? Metaphorically or literally. Listen to yourself. What are you saying that you need to be saying? Or what are you saying but feel like you're shouting into a void and nobody's listening? Where do you need touch? Do you just need a hug? Do you need to pet an animal even? Ask yourself the question, what do I need? And then what would your answer to the question, what do you want me to do for you be? And then can you ask yourself that? and then listen to your own answer. And then what can you do to meet yourself there? Offer yourself the dignity of asking and answering the question. Jesus is kind and you are loved. Because Jesus is kind, we know that God is kind. And because God is kind, we can be kind to others and to ourselves. So let's just do that. We're gonna talk about kindness in the Q&R. How are you kind to yourself? Do you offer yourself the same dignity as you offer others? What does that, what does that feel like that kindness, I think, means dignity? And do you have any stories of kindness that you want to share? So while you're thinking about that, uh, let's pray. And I'm going to ask the question that Jesus asked Bartimaeus so you can tell him what you need as we pray. So let's pray. Jesus, you are so kind.
we have noticed your kindness in each interaction with people as we've read the stories together. The leper, the blind man, the deaf man, they were all people on the margins. There are people on the outside or feeling it anyway, that you might want us to connect with and reach out to, to offer kindness. Would you bring those people to mind right now? And then just nudge us this week as we have opportunity to do something about that. And I hear your question to me like the one you asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And my answer, Jesus, is tell him. As if Jesus was standing right in front of you asking that question, tell him. So come, Lord Jesus, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, right here where we are, as it is in heaven, how things should be. In your lovely name we pray. Amen.